Today on The Open Word with Pastor David Landry. Give us ears to hear your truth, and eyes to see the needs around us as we draw close to you. May we thirst for the water that your love brings us. Open our hearts, change us from within by the open word. Keep asking, keep seeking, keep knocking. Our persistence in prayer, I believe, shows the depth of our desire. It's not that I make God's fine, okay, for Pete's sake, take it, get it. No, that, that's not how God responds to us. Not because we're, it's just not like the mom in the grocery store with the four-year-old, you know. Mommy, can I have this? 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 No, you can't. No, you can't. No, you can't. Mommy, can I have this? Mommy, can I? No, you can't. No, you can't. Mommy, can I have this? Oh, for Pete's sake, take it. That's not our God. But our God does desire for us to express our heart before Him. God is a loving giver, and when He gives, He doesn't do so begrudgingly. So when we persist in prayer according to His will, He will give to us generously in keeping with His Word. In our time with Pastor David, we'll hear about how our Heavenly Father responds when we ask, seek, and knock on His door, even if it's in the middle of the night. So be persistent in prayer. He delights in us when we express our hearts before Him. God loves to show Himself faithful when we come to Him in prayer. Now here's Pastor David with part two of today's message entitled, Perseverance in Prayer. what Jesus is getting across to the disciples is much more the willingness of a friend to respond to a persistent though inconvenient request, but yet we need to be reminded in the midst of this, our God never sleeps or slumbers. Our God desires to hear our request. Our God doesn't rebuke us when we make a request. Our God delights in supplying all of our needs according to his riches in glory. Our God is a generous God. Our God cares about the things that concern us. And you know what? We are more than friends to our God. We are his children. We'd have been the ones in the house with him. Understand that when we look at this. So Jesus continues on in his teaching in a a very positive direction. He says, verse 9, so I say to you, ask, it'll be given to you. Seek and you will find. Go ahead and knock. It will be open to you. For everyone who asks, receives. He who seeks, finds. And to him who knocks, it will be opened. Jesus directs his disciples on how they need to be willing to ask of the Father in heaven. Why? Because it will be given. Jesus encourages them to seek and to understand that the Father will lead us to do and we will find. He says, if the door is closed, go ahead and knock. It will be open to you. Now, one of the things that I've heard through my Christian experience is a lot of people is that, you know, If God closes a door, he'll open a window, okay? It's a nice little platitude. But do you know that sometimes closed doors are there to see your persistence? 
Sometimes closed doors are there to see the greatness of your desire. Now, I understand, too, that God opens doors that no man will close, and he closes doors that no man will open. But I also know that that's not always the case. I also know that it's not always the case that every open door is God's will in your life. We have to pray. We need to seek the Lord. We need to seek his desire. We need to know, just as he says in the prayer and in teaching them how to pray, your will be done, your kingdom come. And again, this whole idea and thought that it's not just the, the moving along like, like a, uh, um, what do they call those machines with a little ball that rolls around you? Pinball, there we go. I, thanks for the help, Frank. Uh, <laughs> our, our Christian life isn't like a pinball machine where we just go, oh, that's closed. We're going to go over here and that's closed. Oh, that's open. We go there. No, we're to be led by the Spirit of God. And sometimes when doors are closed, he says, knock. Go ahead and knock. Maybe it is God's will, but he wants to see you again. The greatness of your desire. The greatness of your willingness to pursue these things. The most important thing, though, is that focus of the Father's will in our life above all other things. The Apostle John in 1 John chapter 5 He says, now this is the confidence that we can have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we'll have the petitions that we have asked of him. You see, that's a confidence that you and I have to have. It's one of the reasons why there is a tremendous amount of books about prayer. There's a tremendous amount of seminars about prayer, tons and, and, and multitudes of thousands of sermons on prayer, and yet prayer is so lacking in so many believers' lives. I believe it's because we don't have the confidence that our little needs and our little situation is God really interested in, is God really going to change things or move things or deliver into my hands those things. Beloved, it first comes to the understanding that we're asking according to his will. That means that we need to be in communication with him. We need to be in the word. We need to know God. And once we know God, and once we are really truly growing in God, then we can have confidence in him that he will, again, answer those things. That when we ask, we ask according to his will. When we seek, it's with the understanding that we've already sought his kingdom first and his righteousness. And when we knock, we're literally knocking on heaven's door for heaven's and for the kingdom's plan and purposes in our lives. And when that's the reasoning within our lives, I believe honestly, according to God's word, according to the word of Christ, I believe that it will be abundantly opened up to us. I'm asking for the things that I know he desires. I'm asking for the things that I know are his will. Lord, your will be done in my life and in the life of my family. Lord, right now, this situation is hitting my family. And Lord, we're, we're struggling in this area. And it's, it's causing tension within our family. And Lord, we, I know that you don't want that tension. I know that you want us to be of one flesh. So Father, we, you know, when we come with that kind of an attitude, with that kind of an understanding, Lord, I want your will. I'm, I'm not looking just to make it easy on me. Lord, that man that you've given me, or Lord, that woman that you've given me, oh. But Lord, this is your will, this is your plan, this is your design. We're messing up on it. 
Work in our lives, Lord, that we might live our lives to your glory. Uh, financial situations, health situations, relationship situations, your, your own spiritual life, the battles that you're battling within your own heart and your own spirit. Come according to his will. And beloved, I believe that then we can have confidence that he will answer those prayers and supply abundantly to us. We, we look also at the tense of these verbs that he's using, this idea of ask and seek and knock. The tense is the idea of, of keep asking, keep seeking, keep knocking. Our persistence in prayer, I believe, shows the depth of our desire. It's not that I make God's final, okay, for Pete's sake, take it, get it. No, that, that's not how God responds to us. Not because we're, it's, it's not like the mom in the grocery store with the four-year-old, you know. Mommy, can I have this? 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 No, you can't. No, you can't. No, you can't. Mommy, can I have this? Mommy, can I? No, you can't. No, you can't. Mommy, can I have this? Oh, for Pete's sake, take it. That's not our God. But our God does desire for us to express our heart before him. And how important is it really to you? How meaningful is it? There are times in our lives that we need to be like a Jacob. We need to wrestle with God. Say, Lord, I'm not letting you go. I'm not, I'm not stopping. I'm, I'm not quitting. I want to know your answer in my life. I want to know your deliverance in my life. I want to know your release and your healing in my life. Whatever that answer turns out to be. And then I wonder how, how much repetition is too much. I believe God will let us know. I, I believe that if we're praying and praying and praying, I believe that eventually he's going to say, he's going to either give us the, the, one of three answers, right? Most of you know he gives one of three answers. Yes, no, or later, okay? Yes, no, or later. I hate the no answers. But yet, in retrospect, I always understand the no answers were best for him and therefore best for me. I told the congregation last night, thank God for no answers. Otherwise, I'd be married to a completely different woman than I am today. <laughs> and praise God for the direction that he gave. Forty-three years, yeah. God will give no answers for his glory and for your benefit. Think of the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul says that he prayed three times for this thorn in the flesh that he had. I don't, I don't believe that one night he said three prayers. I, I don't think that that's what he's communicating to us. I believe that there were probably three different seasons in Paul's life that that thorn in the flesh, whatever it was within his life, that there were probably three seasons in his life that it so overwhelmed him that he just spent time in prayer seeking the Lord for it until finally the Lord said no. The Lord told him in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, he says, my grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. So Paul got upset and said, well, if you're not going to answer, I'm going to go find another answer. Now, that's not what he did, did it? Because Paul's desire was above all things that God's will would be done, that God would be glorified in his life. That's why Paul could respond to that declaration that no of the Lord when Paul says, therefore, most gladly, I will rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in needs, in persecutions, in distresses for Christ's sake. For when I'm weak, then I'm strong. Do you realize the maturity of that response? 
You realize how often we miss that in our own lives? That when God says no or God says wait or not now, most of us, and I'm throwing myself in the boat with most of us, most of us get frustrated and we're agitated and we're not really willing to wait on God and we try to do things on our own. I've shared with you guys in the past situations that happened in my life back in uh, the uh, mid-80s. I know some of you weren't alive at that time, but uh, uh, back in the mid-80s, we just knew God's will and God's purpose in our life, and we were heading that way, and we just knew this is exactly what God had planned for us and purpose for us. And yet when the time came for the fulfillment or the completion of that, the door slammed shut, bolted several times, locked, and then welded on the other side. It was, it, it was a no, like, man, you can't believe a no. And I didn't stand there. I said, well, you know what? I'm just glad that you've given me the no. I'm just going to boast in your grace. No, I got, I got mad at God. I got mad at God. I got frustrated. And rather than stand and see again what God was doing in the midst of that and why he said no, in my frustration, I just, I just ran. I ran from the church. I ran from Christ. I, I ran from you know, obedience to him for about three years in my life, put my family through a living hell because of my disobedience, because of my lack of trust. And rather than just say, Lord, in the midst of my reproaches, I'm going to stand there. In the midst of my needs, in the midst of my distress, I want you to be glorified. You see, that's what maturity does to you. When I understand that he is a good God, when I understand the greatness of his power, his might, his wisdom, his authority over all of his creation, then I can handle no's. Because I, I know he's, he's got something better planned. He's got something much greater than me going on. And when I suddenly realize I'm not the center of the universe, it's a hard thing to understand at times. But when I come to that understanding, then I can rest in him. And I can rest in the no's. I can rest in the not now's and the waits. I can rest in that fact that my grace is sufficient for you because in your weakness, my strength is going to be made known. It's in knowing the goodness of God. It's in knowing the greatness and the authority and the power of God. And it's in the desire of our own heart to say, Lord, your will be done in every aspect of my life. Your kingdom come. Lord, I, I want you to be magnified in my life. And if I become of nothing, Lord, may you reign supreme. I love what Warren Wiersbe speaks about this whole idea. Why does our Father in heaven answer prayer? Not just to meet the needs of his children, but to meet them in such a way that it brings glory to his name. Hallowed be thy name. When God's people pray, God's reputation is at stake. I love that thought. When we pray and when we're praying according to God's will, God's reputation is at stake. And the way that he takes care of his children is a witness to the world that he can be trusted. Again, if God gave you a yes for every prayer that you prayed, think through that for a moment. Would that have been a good thing? I don't think so. Because number one of the, the limitations of our understanding, I've shared with you multiple times, we don't remember yesterday very well at all. We have no clue really what's going on today. 
And we have absolutely no idea of what will happen tomorrow. And yet for him, yesterday, today, and forever, he sees it all. And so his response to our prayers is not only in accordance to his will, but in accordance to what he knows, past, present, and future. The way that he cares for his children is a witness to the world that he can be trusted. And though right now, during this season, you might think, but, but Lord, I'm praying and I'm seeking you and I'm not getting the answer from you. I'm not getting the answer that I need. Well, maybe the answer isn't what you need. But maybe it is the answer that he's working out in a much grander scheme than you or I. Philip Brooks says that prayer is not overcoming God's reluctance, but it's laying hold of His highest willingness. Persistence in prayer is not an attempt to change God's mind, but to get ourselves to the place where He can trust us with the answer. If He said yes in our lives too early, would we be able to handle the answer? Jesus goes on to confirm this whole idea that that we are sons and daughters of God, too, as he teaches here in Luke 11. He speaks about how how, how good the gifts of God are to his children. And he also gives us a lesson to be able to ask in boldness because we are his children. He says in verse 11, If a son asks for bread from any father among you, will he give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will he give him a serpent instead of a fish? If he asks for an egg, will he offer him a scorpion? You've got to stop and think, how, how ridiculous is that? My child, my son, or my daughter, they come up to me and say, Dad, I'm, I'm hungry, can I have some bread? No, here, take a stone. <laughs> really? Is that the love of a heavenly father? He says, hey, Dad, do we have any more hard-boiled eggs? No, but I've got a scorpion I can give you. <laughs> That's not God. That's not the attitude. That's not the heart of God. He says, verse 13, you know, you even being evil know how to give good gifts. You're not going to do that. If you being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Beloved, once it becomes so intimately and adamantly clear within our lives of the greatness of the love of God, how much he really and truly cares for each one of us, even when we fail. The greatness of his love. And as the word says, even when we're unfaithful, he remains faithful because he cannot and will not deny himself. Once that becomes so adamantly clear in our lives, we can come with boldness to the Father. We come because we know that he he desires to pour out on us The reality and the truth of his greatness, his willingness in our lives. He understands those things that we have need of, and yet he calls for us to ask. Why does he call for us to ask? He says, make your requests known. He says, cast your cares upon him. The word gives us clear that understanding that often we have not because we don't ask. And also knowing that sometimes the things that we ask for, they're not good and could actually be spiritually harmful to us. He encourages us to ask. He knows what we have need of, but he wants to hear from us. Why? Because he is a loving, heavenly Father.
And as a father, he delights in communicating with his children. He delights in hearing his children's voices. Sometimes, no matter how far away they are. How many of you as parents, you'd love to get a phone call from your kids this afternoon if they're gone? How many of those of you that have a, a straying son or daughter would love to get that phone call this afternoon? That's how much God desires to hear from you. Actually, even greater than that. Even greater than that. He desires for us to commune with him. We need to be those who are willing to trust him to the fullness. And when we trust him in that way in our lives, we come to him with every care and every concern. What is in your life that is a concern in your life that's too small to bother God with? Nothing. There's not a thing that's so small that God doesn't delight in hearing from you? What is there that's so great in your life that God can't handle? Nothing. Every need, every situation of our life, everything that we banged our head against the wall maybe year after year after year with, God says, you continue to bring it to me. You continue, you continue asking. You continue seeking. You continue knocking. And in my time, I'll reveal to you that answer. Back in the Old Testament, 2 Chronicles 16, it says, The eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong on behalf of those whose heart is loyal to him. God wants to show himself strong on your behalf. We also come to understand what the writer of Hebrews speaks about. In Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6, he says that in faith we come to God And if we come to God, we come to him, we have to believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Diligently seek him. How diligent are we really in our prayers and our petitions and our requests? How heartbroken are we in the lives, situations of others that every once in a while we throw up a prayer for? When I hear the need of someone else's child... I'm moved to pray for that one. But when it's my child, I'm on my face. How diligent are we to make our requests known? And how understanding of who God is are we to know that he wants to hear and he wants to show himself strong on our behalf and he will respond. Let me close with this thought from Andrew Murray. It's in his book, With Christ in the School of Prayer. He says, Lord Jesus, I ask you this day to enroll my name among those who confess that they do not know how to pray as they ought, and especially ask you for a course in teaching me to pray. Lord, teach me to wait with you in the school and to give you time to train me. May a deep sense of my ignorance and the wonderful privilege and power of prayer and of the need of the Holy Spirit as the school of prayer lead me to cast away my thoughts of what I think I know and make me kneel before you in true teachableness and poverty of spirit. Open our hearts.
Learning more about Jesus is the single most important thing we can do as Christians. As we carefully consider how Jesus lived, we see beautiful examples that can apply to our lives. Though the entire Bible is rich with symbols and images that point to Jesus, the Gospels are grand central station for who Jesus is. Join us each day as Pastor David teaches through the Gospel of Luke. You can get a free copy of today's teaching at our website. Simply log on to theopenword.com. That's theopenword.com. Although the open word is a huge blessing, we pray that it's not your only source for the teaching of the Word of God. It's our hope that you're attending a church that teaches God's Word from beginning to end. Here's Tracy with more information about our service times here at Calvary Chapel Casa Grande. Maybe you're listening right now in Casa Grande and you don't have a home church. We want to take this time to invite you to join us for worship. We meet Sunday mornings at 9 and 11 a.m. at 6.30 p.m. every Wednesday and Saturday. For more information, call us at 520-836-9676. That's 520-836-9676. Or log on to theopenword.com and follow the link to the church website. Thanks, Tracy. Well, that's all the time we have for today. You've been listening to The Open Word with Pastor David Landry. Please join us next time for the next edition of The Open Word.